Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we have guest Dr. Jade Tita. Jade Tita has been on the podcast before, and he helped us demystify the metabolism, but today's conversation is extremely different from that. While he is an expert in hormones, metabolisms, and all things health, fitness, and nutrition, today we're talking about something a little bit deeper, and that is purpose. And that is the other passion that that Dr. Jade has. And I was so honored to speak to him again. And it was wonderful because I actually just got back from a conference where I got to see him and meet him in person. And it was just, it was just amazing. So today we are talking about how can we get to that point where we are living our life's purpose. And if you guys have been listening, you know that this is more of, um, And this is more of a topic that I am focused on myself as well, because once you get your foundation set, your foundation of nutrition and fitness and health and wellness, it opens up opportunities to focus on other important things on your or in your life rather. So this is a really powerful conversation. I could have talked to him for for several hours, but I want you guys to start thinking about this as well, especially those of you who are constantly trying to lose weight. You worry so much about your workouts and your nutrition. Yes, those things are important. However, I think sometimes if we step back and and take a broader view of our lives, it puts everything into perspective, which actually helps us then refocus on being consistent with our nutrition, with our fitness, with making sure we're getting sleep, drinking water, and all of these things. So anyway, enjoy the podcast, you guys, and reach out to us if you have any follow-up questions or comments. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We are honored to have, well, I'm absolutely honored to have Dr. Jay Tita talking with us again. Last time he was here, gosh, that might've been in 2020. I'm not sure. It's all a blur, (laughs) but you were here and we were talking about metabolism and everyone learned so much from that episode. And I always look to you. If I have questions about metabolism, you're such a great resource, but today I wanted to shift gears um, and talk a little bit more about this idea of purpose yeah um because i feel like once we have well the purpose gives our life meaning Hmm. yeah it's It's you know it's it's an important thing and you know it's funny i don't i think it was a couple years ago but um and you and i were just talking offline about how i actually am going back to get my phd in this uh this field and part of the reason is just what you're speaking to kylie it's the idea that Yes, we can know all the science. Yes, we can understand all the things around biochemistry and even psychology and habit information and diet and exercise. But the rubber meets the road in how do people make their lives um, impactful and how do they tie their health and fitness pursuits 
to that. And one of the interesting things that I maybe will start us off and then I'll see where you want to go. One of the interesting things that I think a lot of people don't know when you look at the research on happiness and success, uh, we all kind of know, right, that successful people seem to be happy. And that's kind of clear in the research. And it used to be thought that, well, the success drives the happiness, right? So that basically we thought, hey, well, if someone has uh, you know, a successful career and they've got status and they've got money. Well, then, of course, that's going to make them happy. And what research has actually been showing over the last decade is that perhaps we have that reversed. Certainly, that's true to an extent, but there's also a very strong uh, directional relationship the other way around, which essentially says happy people tend to become successful. And yes, this research is primarily aimed at success in cultural sort of level things like money and status, but it's also true in purpose and meaning. And so this is an important piece of the puzzle because it's not just with money and career, it's also with every other job that we humans have to do, health and fitness being one of those. And so we have got to begin looking at this and looking at it strongly, which is one of the reasons that I've pivoted over the last, you know, 15 years or so into this area, um, in addition to my metabolism work. And it's uh, funny and interesting to see also that people like yourself are pivoting in this direction as well. Well, I think because once you master that one area, it's just it becomes less of a focus. You don't have to think about doing the things that keep you healthy. You just are healthy. So then I'm like, well, now what can I focus on? You know, since you, people like us, oftentimes we we want to continue to grow and evolve. So this area is mastered. Now what? Yeah. Well, you talk about that, the, the jobs that we have. Can you expand on the jobs that we have as humans? Yeah. So from my perspective, when I started getting into this work, I started thinking to myself, okay, so as a human, what is it that we are really responsible for as individuals? Now, of course, we have lots of responsibilities in terms of society and playing our role in society. But the idea is that we also have things that we must do, that every human must do. So the way I like to say this is as a human, you have a job to do, right? In fact, you've got four of them primarily, at least in my way of looking at it. Uh, job one, and, and these aren't in, are in no particular order, although you may want to put these in a hierarchy if you're listening to this, you might say, oh, well, which job am I doing well? Which am I not doing so well? But to me, job one is a financial job. Now, a lot of people will balk at this immediately because they say, well, Jade, why are you making it about money? But the fact of the matter is everyone has to earn a living. Even if you're out on the street, you have to procure food, you have to procure shelter, um, whether you're a stay-at-home you know, dad or mom who's taking care of the kids, you're essentially having to earn a living. You are doing something uh, to put uh, you know, sort of uh, food on the table and shelter over your head. So we must do that job. Uh, the next one we have to do is the job of attaining and maintaining health and fitness. Obviously, we can't do anything in life. We can't make money. We can't go to work. We can't be helpful to our fellow man or helpful to ourselves if we do not have our health. So that's obviously a job. We also have the job of personal relationships, right? We have to, uh, you know, give and receive love, collaborate, uh, communicate, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. We are uh, pack animals in a sense. Uh, humans are connection oriented. We are not islands unto ourselves. So we must relate to other humans. 
And then arguably, uh, and this might be the case that I would make, although it's going to be different from person to person, the final job would be we have to matter and make a difference because there's something about us humans and some people might describe this as purpose and meaning. I don't see those two as the same thing. So we could talk about that if you want. But mattering and making a difference is this underlying thing that people go, well, why am I here? Is it just about making money? Is it just about, you know, being healthy? And, you know, is it just about interacting with humans? Like, what am I actually doing here to make the world better? Better for myself, better for others, uh, better for the planet. You know, this is a very holistic, integrative way of thinking about things. And my contention is that every human feels this need somewhere deep down, this idea that I, I want to matter and make a difference, not just for myself, but for the world. I think this is a key underlying need. I think it's the reason why so many of us gravitate towards religion and spirituality and other pursuits. It's why we want to help people. It's why we want to create. We feel this need to matter and make a difference. And so from my perspective, these are the four jobs. And I would make the argument that purpose and meaning, mattering and making a difference is the energizer bunny of everything else. It is the thing that creates the fuel to want to get up and do these other things. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you there. Because I find when people, people struggle with the other areas, it's because they're lacking there. They don't have that pull or they haven't realized that pull yet. So I wholeheartedly agree with you, which is why I wanted to shift the way that I started approaching things. Yeah. Yeah. So once you make this, once you make this sort of uh, switch in your head, you start, it, it starts going, okay, well then, then how do I do this? Right. And, and I think one of the ways that people uh, get this wrong is they kind of think it's something that you stumble into. We have this very wrong uh, idea in my mind. Now, everyone listening, try this on. I could be completely wrong about this, but it does come from, you know, experience working with uh, thousands and thousands of people. I think when most of the time when you think about this, it's most people go, well, you stumble into it. You find it, you discover it. It's, it's something that sort of falls on you and and I just need to you know bumble and stumble around in life until the thing falls on me and I actually think that's a very wrong way to look at this the way I look at it is that myself Kylie all of you who are listening to this we are each um and, and just hear me out on this and see if you agree we are each unique and when I say unique I mean that in you know in, in a very strong way, uh, not only do we operate and occupy a particular space uh, in the world and in the universe, we also occupy a particular time in history. Uh, so there's never going to be another Kylie or another Jade or another you listener ever again, nor has there ever been. Now take that and add in your unique personality. Uh, your unique uh, sort of history, the people who've helped and hurt you, your likes and dislikes, your talents. And most importantly, and this is the part that I think a lot of people get confused about, most importantly, your pain and your suffering, the things that have happened to you that have been difficult. Take all of that, your unique time uh, of being alive, space that you occupy in the world and all these other elements and you become a unique puzzle piece, a spiritual fingerprint, so to speak, what I would call a purpose potential. 
And what your job is, I think, is not to find this thing, but to take all these interesting elements that make you you, that make you uniquely you, combine them in a way that allows you to do something in the world in a way that only you could. You know, one of the things I oftentimes say about this, if, if you know me, if the listener knows me and knows Kylie, they might say, well, Jade and Kylie, you know, we're buds, but we do the same thing. They teach the same thing. The fact of the matter is some people are going to listen to me speaking and educating on the same thing that Kylie speaks and educates on, and they're not going to want to hear it from me. They're not going to like the way I look. They're not going to tune into you know, the sound of my voice. I'm going to explain things in a way that might be off-putting to them. But then they hear Kylie speak and they go, Wow, I love her. I love the way she, I just, I just get it, right? Well, that's the same for every single one of you listening. And to me, you create your purpose and meaning. You create the way you're going to matter and make a difference by being first aware of these unique attributes of you and then simply choosing what you're going to do with it, what you're going to make of it. So in a sense, you know, the world that you perceive is this giant blank canvas and you get to bring all these tools that are your history and paint the painting that you choose to paint for the world. Now, of course, there's going to be people who give you feedback. There's going to be ways that you alter this. There's going to be things that happen. Life gives you clues, patterns, obstacles, stuck emotions. All of these things sort of might guide you along, but you're still choosing and creating, not bumbling and stumbling and finding purpose and meaning you're choosing and creating and it's an ongoing evolution and when you understand that it frees you in a sense it allows you to essentially go oh wow i can do something powerful both for myself and to touch the world i totally agree with you and have you have you read the book conversations with god Way back, that's an old book, right? Yeah, uh, super old. Is that Neil Donald Walsh? Yes, uh, it is. Yes, way back, I've read that book. Yes, probably. I'm thinking that's got to be in the nineties. I yeah, read it's that. old. Yeah, I'm re-listening to it, and it's like he talks a lot about this type of stuff as well. And I think the more we can hear it, I know people oftentimes they feel helpless and hopeless, and like they don't have any control. But really, you do because you just said a really powerful word. You have the choice to do whatever you can create whatever you want with all of these unique gifts and experiences that you have. And I'm sure a lot of people, they would love to do something similar to what you and I do. Like people are passionate about fitness and health and nutrition. And they want to be a coach. No, everybody's a coach, yeah, but you aren't your version of it is not out there. So you yeah. can create it. Yeah. And honestly, I think, uh, let me just answer some of the, uh, perhaps like I can imagine someone listening to this and in their head, there is some kind of disconnect happening. It happens to all of us. I've talked to enough people about this to see um, some of the objections. And so I want to go through those really quick. Some of the objections essentially go like this. Hey, Jade, that's easy for you to say you're doing this thing. It's easy for you to say because you have the resources. It's easy for you to say because uh, you're privileged in a particular way. And they're right. Uh, I am. Uh, however, I also at one point was in a place where I didn't think that I could do it. I didn't think I was the right person for the job. I had 
financial obstacles and all these other obstacles and things like that. And so the, what I'm trying to say is we must start regardless of where you are. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think this important objection that comes up is that people go, well, it's noisy. How am I actually going to do this? And this is one of the things that is just, you're going to go, oh yeah, Jade, I get it. And it's just a shitty reality of life that not everybody gets to do their purpose as a job, right? There is a difference between your job that you do on the planet to make money and the work that you do to make a difference. So I'm making a distinction, distinction here. From my perspective, you can always do the work. It may not be your job. Oftentimes our jobs, what we do to do, you know, the job of making money, mm -hmm. finances the choice to create our purpose. That's more likely the case for almost everybody. Now, I happen to be someone who's incredibly privileged and lucky that my job and my work are the same thing. And I think, you know, my lucky stars every day that that is the case. That's not always the case for everyone. However, what Kylie said is absolutely true. If you love health and fitness and you dream of one day making it your job, the first step is first making it your work. In other words, you can be influential in the things you know with everyone that you come in contact with. You can be, and this is why a lot of people get prickly about this word influencer. Mm -hmm. I don't. I absolutely love this word. And I love the fact that it's become something that we all can pay attention to now because you are an influencer. We all are. We are ex an experience and an example for the world. And so you get to show up and begin doing this work right now. Why? Because you choose to. Why? Because you're passionate about it. Why? Because it's a talent of yours. Why? Because it was a painful place that you perhaps suffered and overcome it. And you now want to teach what you learn. This is how purpose manifests. And so you're on the path. And yes, it's true. You may always be an influencer and perhaps never be doing this for a job. But so what? It's so beautiful. It's so impactful. You're making a difference and it lights you up inside. Why would you squash that with the idea that, oh, you know, I can't do this as a job, therefore I won't do it. That's ridiculous. All, a lot of us do things we don't necessarily love to support what we do love. I mean, we get this with family. You know, plenty of people raise kids. It's incredibly hard to do. And they work jobs that they may not love to support the thing that they do love in the same thing, I would say purpose is a child in this sense. And you get to choose how to show up and how to finance this. And so to me, once you take on this uh, approach and this mindset, things begin to change. And I'll, and I know I talk a lot, so forgive me, but I just want to make one more distinction here. I'm glad. Yeah. So, so to me, it's uh, the, di the difference would be capital P purpose versus little P purpose is another way to think about this. Uh, little P purpose means I can do my work everywhere I go, which means for me, for example, my little P purpose, I, I have chosen to be someone who wants to be a positive educational example and influence in the world. And so to me, my little P purpose is I do this when I go to the coffee shop, when I walk 
the greenway by my house. I try to make eye contact. I try to be intentional about smiling at people. I try to, this is my little P purpose. I'm not getting paid for it. No one's acknowledging me for it. You know, uh, it's just something that I feel like I can make a difference in this space that I'm in. I can make a difference in this coffee shop. I can make a difference on this trail. I can make a difference by making eye contact, uh, you know, giving compliments. And that's my little P purpose. Now, my bigger P purpose is I want to create things that can in mass touch people, uh, writing a book, building a program, doing these kinds of things. That, but both matter. And I would say that my little P purpose is every bit as important and perhaps more so actually in terms of me feeling good about the life that I'm living than my big P purpose. And I do think we need both. So the idea is who are you being to uh, grow yourself, to touch others, and then that would be your little P purpose. And then who are you being to sort of lend your truth and your message to the uh, universal consciousness and let it sort of pan out where it might? Because you might be wrong. My, my truth might be wrong, right? But I feel compelled to put my voice into the universal stream of consciousness to have it be part of the conversation. And I believe we all need to do that. If everyone would lend their authentic voice in the areas that they feel talented and pulled to, we would evolve much faster as a society. And so I guess the point would be show up for your little P purpose, show up for your big P purpose. And then you're going to be surprised that some of these things that might be hard for you, like attaining and maintaining health and fitness, getting your financial house in order, uh, you know, relationships with people, these other three jobs start to figure themselves out a little bit more. That yeah, you can't improve one area. It's going to leak out into the others in the best way possible as you create some momentum. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Well, one of the things I want to point out, which you said, but you didn't really say it out loud, is this idea of learning and then teaching and creating. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this in a social media post a while back, and you were talking about that's the point of pain. And I think everyone can probably think of an experience that it sucked in the moment, but they learned from it. That could be something that we can share with other people. I, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Is this how you got into what you do because of pain? Yeah. I mean, like, yes, actually. And I can, I could tell you all a little bit about my story. I call this the three imperatives. You know, to me, it's, we are here for three reasons and three reasons only. Again, this is my theory. I could be wrong. Just try it on. Uh, we are here to learn. We are here to teach and we are here to love. Now, when I say love, most people will see that as an incantation, incantation for lovers or parent child relationship. When I mean love, I mean creating something for the world that only you can without the need for acknowledgement, reciprocation, or reward. Love is simply, I'm going to give wholeheartedly the thing that I can give, and I'm not going to ask for acknowledgement, reciprocation, or reward. And in a sense, that's synonymous with creating. So we're here to learn, we're here to teach, and we're here to love. And if I was a supreme being, if you, if, you, know, if you orient towards God or whatever your belief system is, if I was God and I wanted to create a world or was a God and wanted to create a world that that was get gonna have people create something and evolve and learn lessons, I would build two things into that video game. The first thing I would build in is suffering because no one learns anything without suffering and pain. And the second thing I would build into that video game is death 
because no one's going to get anything done if they have forever to do it. You know, so death and suffering are part of this. Without death and suffering, we cannot learn. We won't feel compelled to teach and we and we won't uh, be compelled to love in any real sense or we won't understand what love is, because in my mind, you cannot have love without suffering you wouldn't know what it means in the same way that you can't ha understand night without day or day without night or hot without cold this is a very taoistic uh you know sort of way of looking at things so if you buy into the idea that we are here to learn and to teach and to love then you'll start to understand how our pain guides us now my pain in particular was here I am, a guy who my whole life has been studying psychology and philosophy, thinking I'm evolved, thinking I'm doing all this thing. I'm in a relationship with a woman. I'm married. And I uh, you know, start to have some difficulty in this marriage. And instead of handling it in a mature, honest way, I cheat. I have an affair. I become manipulative. I start living a dual life. Now, of course, that blows up. Now, in my particular case, it blew up in spectacular fashion uh, because the woman I was uh, having an affair with was also having an affair. She was married, but then started having a third affair, which I found out about. So now I'm in a betrayal sandwich. Now, here's the most embarrassing part. I'm going to get to the point of this because I know everyone will be able to relate to what I'm saying. The most embarrassing part about this for me is that the only way I became conscious about the disgusting behavior that I was perpetrating on my wife is that it was being perpetrated on me. That is the only time I woke up to my own dysfunction. It was like I was walking around with the worst breath in the world. Everyone else could smell it, but I was immune to it. And it wasn't until I had the same thing happen to me that I had to figure it out. Now, there was something even worse. Now, once I became aware of that, now I'm aware of not only was I betraying and being betrayed, but most importantly, I was betraying Jade and who I was and uh, taking the easy way out because I was in pain in other ways and being unconscious. Now, fast forward to some of the insights I'm sharing now. How did I even uh, come to some of these insights? Why am I studying the things I'm studying? Why do I now write books in self-development as well as in metabolism? Because I learned some very, very tough lessons for myself. I know that there are other people out there who are asleep to some of the things uh, that I was. Now, others of you might be listening to this and be like, Jade, honesty was never my thing, dumbass. Like, I've always been honest. I'd never had an issue. I get it. Your issue is something else that you're maybe not aware of. Mine was a dysfunctional relationship with honesty. So that's why I now teach about honesty and the and a purpose and meaning. And, and because I don't want people to make the same mistakes, it was so painful for me. I want to teach people some of the things I learned. Now, there's going to be some people who just go, I don't want to hear from you. You're a cheater. You know, um, screw you. You're blah, blah, blah. There's also going to be people that are like, I get it. I get it because you've lived it and you understand it educationally. And I want to hear it from you. And it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is I feel compelled to now teach. And the loving part of this is to essentially say, I just expressed the loving part. It's like, it's okay that you don't want to hear it from me. It's perf perfectly okay if you do want to hear it from me. I simply feel compelled to leave this creation, this love for whoever may need it. Being perfectly aware that some people might hate it, not use it, not care, but there might be someone out there for who it makes all the difference in the world. And that's who I'm showing up for. Now, what I would say is if you can understand my story in that regard,
And by the way, there was a similar story in my struggles with weight and food and things like that, that got me into metabolism mm -hmm. and, and that whole world. So now going into psychology, it, my pain was my path to purpose. My suffering is my source of meaning. My contention is, and this is partly what I want to study in my PhD work, is that pain is actually the most powerful thing that we have to help us grow as humans and, co and to contribute as humans. And instead, we're all dealing with it the wrong way. Now, maybe you don't agree. Maybe you do. But my contention is your suffering is the very thing you must look at come to terms with and it is the thing that will will set you free and help you find uh you know sort of this place of peace as you create and choose this purpose that makes all the difference for you why else would you change <laughs> if you're not in pain why are you going to change what you're doing hundred percent and even if it's so dysfunctional if it's not affecting you it's in a painful way there's no question about that. And one one hint I'll give you here is that the, from my perspective, how do we know that it's us, right? Like, how do we ultimately know that it's us? Like, there's a, a couple uh, pet peeves I have. I know a lot of people love these. One saying that I hate is that I hate when people say that's a toxic human or that's a narcissist or anything like that. Now, there are toxic people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there aren't. And I'm not saying there aren't narcissists. Yeah. But I'm saying these terms are thrown around so much, it, it turns into to, to just a scapegoat. Now, had you asked me before I woke up to my own dysfunction, I might have used those same terms. How did I know it was me? Well, when the pattern repeats in my life, when the obstacle recurs again and again, when the, emo the stuck emotion is there always, anxiety, depression, resistance, you know, um, frustration, all of these kinds of things, then I could be pretty sure it's me. Now, if this is just related to this one person. I never have this kind of pattern with anyone. I don't get these kind of obstacles with anyone else. And I never feel these emotions in my life. Then maybe it is about the other person, right? But to me, if you look at your repeated patterns, recurrent obstacles, stuck emotions, and you're honest with yourself, you'll start to realize, okay, uh, it's me. I mean, you could cue Taylor Swift now, right? It's me, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, yeah, um, the problem is me. That song, right? I love that song. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift uh, fan, but I love that song because I think it speaks to something that is starting to seep into our consciousness now. It, it really does come down to us. But I will tell you this, Kylie, and I'll, I'll be interested to get your perspective on this and the listener's perspective as I began putting out the next level human uh, information and speaking about suffering. There is two camps. One camp is like absolutely, you know. Um, uh, you know, sort of got to take responsibility. It really does come down to us no matter what. And the other camp is incredibly resistant and angry about this idea. And I think the, the reason for this is that one of the things we forget in this conversation is that compassion for ourselves, mm -hmm. our dysfunctions, and for others is 100% necessary. Before someone can change, they must feel safe and secure. They must feel heard. They must be acknowledged. Now, the problem is you're not always going to get this from the world or from other people. However, from my perspective, everyone needs to be a victim for a time. 
The reason why, in the same way, if you twist your ankle, you need to stay off of it for a time. You need to pay attention to it. You need to pamper it. You need to be like, I've got a twisted ankle and be aware of it and be like, I'm going to take care of it and I'm going to do the things to heal it. In the same way, you must be a victim when you're suffering. And I'm using suffering here as the mental, emotional equivalent to physical pain. So a distinction between pain and suffering. The same way we, we mentally, emotionally suffer, we must take the time to be a victim. We can't just skip past the feelings. We can't skip past the anger. We can't skip past the need to defend ourselves, the need to say, hey, that's not okay. Uh, but at some point, just like we have to get back on that ankle and make it stronger and start moving it again, at some point, we have to move out of the victim state mm -hmm. and become the hero. So everyone should be a victim for a time. It's normal. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. However, my contention is no one should live in victim. And once you start living in victim, at that point in time, you are now perpetuating the suffering and it's you yep. at that point. And that keeps you from purpose and meaning. And in fact, this subtle thing that we're talking about right here, I can guarantee you, and this is my contention, this is the underlying issue with the frustration around all of the jobs. If you're someone who's struggling in finance and no matter how much money you make, you always have the same amount in your bank account. It's because of some underlying dysfunction there, wound, fear, something you haven't dealt with. If you're somebody who's struggling with health and fitness and cannot make the consistent choices to take good care of your body, there's something underlying there that is keeping you from addressing it fully. If you're someone who struggles in relationships and like, if you're like me when I was young, always needing the attention of another woman, right? There is something there that you have got to look at that you have uh, blinded yourself to. And when you bring these things to the surface and start working on them, once again, these other jobs start to be more successful. You start to understand, oh, I get it now. And I understand how I was perhaps self-sabotaging. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. And I, I'm not a fan of that staying in victimhood because to me, when I'm a victim, I don't have any power. You take all of your power away, your power to choose, your power to make a difference. Um, so yeah, acknowledge it, but don't stay there because also talking about that dichotomy, like we don't know what feels good if we don't know what feels bad. Perhaps we also need to feel like a victim so we can feel like the hero and feel those opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, no question. We, I think, I think we have to have this conversation. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking, you know, speaking the next level human self-development stuff, which is a very, uh, is a very, I would say, extreme ownership, radical responsibility type of thing, by the way, and just politically speaking, I'm, I'm probably going to make some enemies here. I'm more liberal minded in uh, my political orientation. I certainly don't think, you know, call myself a Democrat or a Republican, but I do lean more liberal. And this viewpoint of radical responsibility, extreme ownership is typically a more conservative idea. And the reason I'm bringing up just politics for a minute here is because I do think that anytime you occupy more of the extreme ownership without the compassion, mm -hmm. or you are all compassion and no ownership, you're missing something here. And so again, this is about integrating in ourselves and you will see this show up. So if you have someone who is you know, constantly in these dichotomies, trapped in these dichotomies, hey, be more compassionate and that's all they're about. 
they're probably missing the extreme ownership piece. And if there's someone who's always just like, you need to take ownership, buck up, walk it off, this and that, they're probably missing the compassion piece. So what the reason I'm bringing this up is look for these, these dichotomies within yourself and then tell yourself, I need both for myself. I need to be I need to be compassionate. I need to have self-love. I need to say, Jade, you're not a horrible person. You made a mistake. You, you know, uh, you can now take responsibility for that. But if I don't, if I continue going, Jade, you're a horrible person and beating myself up and treating myself and punishing myself for the rest of my life, I'm never going to be able to take responsibility. Now, on the other hand, if I don't sit there and really love on myself a little bit, um, I'm not going to be able to be you know, someone who takes ownership in the same way that if I'm just like, I got it, I'm just going to deny this and I'm going to go out there and attack the world and I'm going to take ownership with it. I've lost something here and it will come back to haunt me. And so when we talk about purpose and we talk about meaning and we talk about these things, from my perspective, it's a deep exploration into your shadow self, into your suffering, because this is the most important aspect in my mind of this spiritual fingerprint that makes you you. And and certainly I have some to-dos that I can, you know, tell people, here's how to begin this process if you want. Cause I know when people like Kylie and I talk about these things, it can seem just esoteric. Oh, and just esoteric. Like, yeah. They're like, yeah, what? it's like, it's like, whatever, dude, like, tell me what to do. And there are very tangible steps to do to start mattering and making a difference. Uh, there are, and I don't know if you want to cover those, but yes, we, we, I do. we'll go wherever before, we want to go. Uh, yeah. You know, I, um, speaking of extreme ownership, I'm assuming you've read the book, Extreme Ownership. Jocko you know, Lowe. I actually, I actually have not. And, okay. and you know, well, I haven't got, I haven't got around to, you want to know why? Cause I, I feel like I, I think I already get it, what it's about. Exactly. But, but you I don't need to know anything it, else. Yeah. <laughs> but so I loved that book, but like, super masculine right mm -hmm. I really like I read it at a time in my life where I was like starting up my business and I was kind mm -hmm. of in my masculine energy yeah I don't just need that masculine extreme energy or extreme ownership energy I mm -hmm. also need my feminine energy to yes. get where I want to go so I think what you're talking about too is the masculine and the feminine we need both even as a, ma a male you need the feminine energy and as a female I need my masculine energy at times but yeah, Kylie, I love that so much. And actually, I just did um, on my podcast, I just had a conversation with one of my good friends, Erica Cherwinski, and we were talking about the polarities of masculine and feminine. And one of the things that I think is really um, disturbing in our culture right now, and I'll just kind of throw this out and uh, anyone who's interested in this conversation, they can go to my podcast and listen to that. But to me, I think what's happening is it's so important, you know, in, in spiritual development and personal development there's a pendulum that swings. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it is necessary. We have been a hyper-masculinized culture for a time. I think it's very healthy that the pendulum is swinging back towards the feminine. However, one of the things I pointed out that, uh, that we were talking about is that we have to be careful here because when we talk about masculine and feminine, we're not talking about female and male. We're talking about archetypes. We're talking about energetics, uh, you know, not just uh, male and female. There are plenty of females who are more masculine than some than some males I know. And what we need to be careful of is not getting these two things confused. When we're talking about purpose and meaning and integration of spirit, this is really what Kylie is sort of referring to. Yes, we need to have ownership. We need to step up. We need to say, I got to do the hard thing. I got to be structured. I got to be rigid. I got to sort of be in this 
place where I'm going to be less emotional and more logical and march forward. However, we need equally to balance this compassionate, loving, artistic, flowy side of us, which is our masculine side, and be able to feel. And, and I like to, the analogy of the, uh, the twisted ankle is really good here. No one, the masculine side is going to be like, okay, my ankles hurt, you know, um, I'm just going to walk it off, right? I'm just going to, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm going to get right back into it. And then you get hurt. The feminine side is, oh my God, I'm hurt. Let me inspect this. Let me see what I need to do. Let me be gentle. Let me mother this thing back to health. Without the balance of masculine and feminine energies, you're not going to heal physical pain. And without the, the balance of masculine and feminine energies, you're not going to heal mental, emotional pain. And this is why we have uh, so many men uh, reacting in hyper-masculine ways. You don't necessarily usually see women, uh, although I do think this is coming, by the way, because there are many women, female uh, females who are more masculinized, who are going to be lashing out in masculine ways. This is but one of the reasons why you see so much violence perpetrated by men. You don't see many women right now going in and shooting up places, but it's going to happen because I do think that we, what's happening is in response to the hyper-masculine world, many uh, feminine-looking people, females, mm -hmm. are adopting the, you know, also getting out of balance in a masculine direction. And I would say that's not what we need. We don't need to fight the quote, let's say, patriarchy with a female who's overly masculinized. Both men and women need to balance these energies within themselves. And if you're thinking that this conversation just went in a weird direction, don't, because this is very important in, uh, you know, sort of doing this shadow work. If you're going to look at your suffering and you're going to use it to be a source of meaning and purpose in your life, you're going to need to be able to uh, balance uh, these emotions. It's absolutely critical. It's not fluff. It's very, very important of the psychology uh, point of the psychology of this. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that conversation ju is just starting to be had. Um, and we could totally talk about that some more, but I'm so glad that I want to check out that podcast that you recently had. What was her name again? Erica Cherwinski. She's okay. a, a side D, a brilliant uh, woman who's also done a lot of work uh, in the realm of, uh, you know, women in uh power uh, the the feminine power in cultures in uh the mystic traditions and you know she does a lot of you know female work but she's also a side d and has she's mainly a clinician which is really nice to talk to clinicians because she's got thousands and thousands of contacts with people and so it's very different than just talking to a researcher yeah so these actionable items that we can go through in order to work towards our purpose what are those what's this framework yeah so i'm going to give you two two or three uh, tools. Um, and let's just stick with two to make it simple. Because okay. one, to, from my perspective, when you begin this process towards purpose and meaning, the first thing you have to do is you got to integrate your wounds. You have to confront them. You got to look at your shadow side. Because think about it. If you don't talk about your wounds and your pain, which is a big piece of your puzzle piece, it's exactly probably the lessons learned from that is probably what you're meant to uh, teach. And when I say meant to, I just more mean like you can choose to do it. Right. So, and if you're oriented more towards, uh, you know, spiritual inclination, then maybe there is someone up there saying, Hey, here's why you're on the planet. I don't know, but whatever it is, you got to look at this pain. So to do that, I'll give you a, one tool. Uh, this is a, my favorite tool. The one I use, it's called written exposure therapy or wet for short W E T. 
And written exposure therapy is quickly becoming the gold standard uh, in PTSD treatment. And the only reason I bring that up is that we all know about PTSD and we know how traumatic and difficult it can be. So if you're going to use a model for suffering, you might as well use the hardest one, the most intransigent one, the one that's the most difficult to treat. Written exposure therapy involves taking out a notebook, writing down the thing that happened to you exactly as it happened, mm. focusing on the emotions of this thing. And you write out this story of what happened. Now, the first thing that goes through your mind when I heard about this is, oh my God, don't do that. That's going to be dangerous. It's going to bring all this stuff to the surface. However, the research is now showing this is highly effective in getting people to begin to integrate their pain. There's something about putting pen to paper and creating distance between what happened and where you're at. Mm -hmm. And then the next piece of this is to write forward into the future as if you are a director or producer of your own movie. And now give this thing plot, complete it. Essentially say, this thing happened to me in all these ways. And here is what I am going to do with it. Here's what that caused me to go out in the world and to learn and teach and love in these ways. Here's how I integrated it. Here's how I helped because of it. Here's the, all the things that I did. So there's a part of what happened in the past, all the feelings around it. Then there's a part of imagining into the future how this thing benefits you. It gives purpose and meaning to the suffering. And the way this is actually done in the research studies is the first three sessions are really just writing about the event. The next two sessions, there's five sessions overall. The next two sessions are actually then giving it plot and meaning. And so you essentially do this. You can do this five days in a row. You can do it once per week. You write this out. And what ends up happening is it primes your brain to say, oh, this is not just something that happened to me, that it is something that I can use. It's something that is not a kryptonite. It's more of a superpower. Mm -hmm. I can use this to do something in the world that no one else could. I can use it for good. I can use it for help. We have this saying, right? Hurt people, hurt people. And that is true, mm -hmm. but they just as often help people. Mm -hmm. So hurt people, hurt people. Yes, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And hurt people, help people, 100%. Right. And so what we want to do with this wet therapy is we want to be the ones that begin to process the wound. Imagine what we're going to do with it so we can be a hurt person who helps people. That's the first thing. Very powerful tool. Don't underestimate the power of these tools. Right now, I'm working on an app, actually, to, to essentially have these techniques built into it because they're so powerful to make it a little easier to do. However, I suspect that it's gonna take something away from the actual pen to paper that is done in the studies. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. Now, the second one is, we all know that life continues to do what life does. Mm -hmm. Life is still gonna bring you storms. It's still gonna throw the shit at you. You're still gonna be, you know, you're still gonna get it. Life doesn't let you off the hook. And so what we need is we need an anchor, a psychological anchor and lighthouse for the storms of life. And this is what I call an honor code. Mm -hmm. And this basically essentially says is, okay, I know all these things happened to me. I know I've been X, Y, Z or hurt X, Y, Z or whatever, but I want to be this way. And this involves several steps. The first step is to write down all your heroes. Mm -hmm. 
They can be fictional heroes. You know, it could be Harry Potter or Hermione. It could be, you know, it could be someone real in a historical figure, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King. It could be Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, absolutely real. amazing. Yeah. yeah, Dolly Parton. Anyone who knows anything about Dolly Parton, she's one of the most amazing next level humans you could find. But you find these heroes in your life and you, you, you basically go, who are they? And then you go, why? And you write descriptions about who they are and what they've done and why you gravitate towards them so much. So see how your spiritual fingerprint comes into this as well, your unique pers perspective and perception of who you want to be. So you think about these heroes and you think about what they stand for. The next part of this is you imagine your eulogy. So you're on your, you're, you're basically, you've died, you're a spirit in the back of the room and you're watching people come up and talk about you. Mm -hmm. What are they saying about you? What do you want to be known for, right? And the final thing is on your deathbed, second to the final thing, actually, because there's four parts to this, on your deathbed, what would you most regret not, you know, doing or being? How do you want people to see you when they're telling you goodbye and they're thanking you? What do you want them to say about you? And then finally, and this is the most important point, and this is the part that everyone gets wrong. The fourth part is, what will you not tolerate? Boundaries. When we talk about self-development and personal development, we sometimes get into all this airy-fairy language. Being a next-level human is not being kind for the sake of being kind. Being a next level human is making sure you protect yourself so that you protect others. So in addition to your heroes, your eulogy scenario, your deathbed, you need to go, here's what I will not tolerate. I will not deal with these kind of people. I will not let people treat me this way. I will not ever allow myself to be attacked, treated this way. And now you take that scenario, all those words to inspire you, and you write your own 10 commandments, mm -hmm. you know, commandment one for me, and you'll see all of you just heard my story. So guess what my first commandment is? Honesty. My first commandment says, honesty is kinder than kindness. That was a hard one lesson. Now that might not resonate with you, but it does for me, mm -hmm. right? Honesty is kinder than kindness. That is, and then you go through, I have another one, easy is earned. Part of the reason I've come up with some of these statements is because for me, they illustrate a very powerful principle in a pithy little statement. Another one that I have is be it until you see it, mm -hmm. which essentially means, Jade, you can't just go out and do the thing and have everyone see you as a self-development expert. You have to go out and see yourself that way first and do the work. And then maybe they will, maybe they won't, but at least you'll know inside what you're doing. And you come up with 10 statements. You also could write this out if you wanted to in a more paragraph form. Actually, we, you know, now we have chat GPT and stuff like that. You could literally go into chat GPT and say, give me 10 principles uh, uh, or an acronym that includes five words that represent these five or six principles that you came up with through this exercise. And chat GPT will spit, spit that out. Maybe it says like honor, that's going to be your acronym because what you want is you want a word if possible. After you get all these phrases down, you want a word that you can quickly go to and say, when the, when the shit gets tough, that you can go honor Jade, mm -hmm. honor, right? Mine is actually, when it really comes down to it, uh, mine is powers, the same acronym I use uh, in my next level human system. 
So I, re I can remember that word and I can remember what these principles stand for. But the idea here is, is hopefully you're understanding these two principles. One helps you deal with your wounds and get clear on why they happened. And by the way, understand that language, why they happened. That's a choice. You decide why they happened. Mm -hmm. You get to choose. Life happened to you. Mm -hmm. Now you get to happen back. Most people don't really, so that's what the wet therapy, the written exposure therapy does. The second one goes, just because you did written exposure therapy and dealt with this does not mean you're not going to get wounded again. Does not mean life's not going to be hard. Does not mean that you get to just say goodbye to all your old emotions. This yeah. isn't a, a backpack of pain that you get to go, oh, I don't have the pain anymore. No, in fact, that pain is a reminder. You don't want to get rid of it. What you want to do is integrate it. You want to keep that backpack of pain. You just want to turn it from a bunch of cinder blocks you can't do anything with to a bunch of tools that you could use to help other people and help yourself. So all of a sudden you're carrying around all these rocks that you can't do anything with. And now through this process, now you got, you turn it into a hammer and, and a screwdriver and a chainsaw. And now you got a toolkit, this pain turns into a toolkit that you get to use to evolve yourself and help the world. These two techniques, now there's a bunch more, but you know we're limited in time, but these two techniques I think are the most powerful. You do that and that begins the process, okay? It begins the process. It's just the start of the process of the path uh, to purpose. Wow. I think we all have some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> in in the best way possible, like the second exercise, that sounds really like fun to me, of course, because I'm into this stuff. I'm totally into mm -hmm. it. <laughs> it got me kind of emotional thinking about it. Mm. So awesome, Jade. So like for you, what does this mean for you? You're still our guy for metabolism. Mm. And now you're evolving like, what are you going to be offering? What do you want that to be? I'm kind of curious to see like your plan, if you even know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's that's a great thing. It's like, do you even know, right? Because do any of us ever truly know? We're co-creators at best, right? Yeah. So sometimes I ask myself, why do I feel so compelled to do the things uh, that I'm doing? But the way I see this is uh, the, the following. To me, I always saw in, in my uh, younger days, I saw metabolism as a standalone thing. I saw health as a purely biochemical, uh, anatomical phenomena, mm -hmm. right? I was, and even though I've always been interested in self-development, you know, I just told you, you know, I read conversations with God probably back, you know, in the nineties at some point. So I, so this has always been, you know, in my, uh, you know, sort of, um, zone of interest, zone of expertise even, mm -hmm. but, it wasn't until dealing with some of the things I dealt with, both through metabolism issues, my own health issues, and my own mental, emotional stuff. I even went to school. This is what's so funny, Kyle. I even went to school for integrative medicine. You would think, Jade, well, you you somehow knew, your intuition knew that mind, body, spirit were related. And I bet you everyone listening to this goes, of course they are. However, just because we can logically say a thing doesn't necessarily know that we understand it at a visceral level. And what I am, what I am seeing in the world, my, in my experience, what I'm seeing is that people speak the language. They say mind, body, medicine, and all these things. And yet they have no idea what it is. They have no idea to put it together. And the two things are still completely miles apart. Yeah. And so for me, I go, okay, 
time for me to put these things together. I learned for myself. Again, the path, learn, teach, love. I learned for myself. Now I want to begin teaching it. And I'm going to put out creations that help people merge and integrate these things. Even my PhD program, I, I, I wouldn't have gone back to just get any psychology degree. My, my program is transpersonal and integral psychology, which essentially just means uh, the relationships we have with the world. Transpersonal means not just about what's going on in my psychology, but how when my psychology merges with Kylie's psychology and all of your psychology and even the world at large, what happens when I have you know, all based experiences and in, in, in nature or, you know, uh, with friends or making love or learning something, all these experiences bring me out of myself to touch something much larger than Jade Tita. Mm -hmm. And for me, I go, that to me is what I'm interested in. And I do believe perhaps wrongly. So you all can say whether you agree with me or not, but I do believe that ultimately we have an illusion and this is very Buddhist Taoist philosophy. There's an illusion of separateness in a sense, all of us in this conversation right now, if you are vibrating with Kylie and I in this conversation, what you are essentially doing is you are literally, we are all vibrating together like a bunch of tuning forks where one goes off and they all start harmonizing. Mm -hmm. And that is what we humans are built for. That is what we crave. We want to share our music mm -hmm. and we want to be a part of other people's music. And this is the whole reason we chase things like money and health and fitness and relationships. And we don't realize that this acknowledgement that we are all connected beneath this mm -hmm. and that we need to do our work, not for acknowledgement, reciprocation or reward, but because we can, mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, leave a positive influence for everyone else, not just us yeah. is why we do this, you know? And so for me, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm passionate about this. And I do believe that what we're going to discover is that when we orient in this way, because I know you and me, Kylie, are very much health and fitness, you know, geeks as well. I do think this is the secret to people who are long lived. I think this is the secret to people in the blue zones. I think this is it's not to me uh, simply diet and exercise and eating, you know, uh, you know, a particular way. It's our mindset. It's the way we show up and love. And by the way, even if it wasn't, I'll say one final thing here, even if it's not on your deathbed, because we're all going to die. I mean, you're going to die on your deathbed. Your six pack abs are not going to help you. Your huge, your huge uh, bank account is not going to make a world of difference to you or anyone else. You're not going to be celebrated for that. And you're not going to care about that. In that moment, you're going to go, did I love? Did I matter? Did I do something that is making the world a better place for me having been here? And if you feel like the answer to that is yes, as a human, you're still going to be apprehensive about death, but you're going to be able to more likely go and feel like I've done my work here. And that's all I could have done. I did the best I could. I learned, I taught, I loved, and see you later. I honestly believe that even in our worst times, if we have this, it's the only thing we can hold on to. I love the idea of oneness. I actually got my start on this path by teaching yoga. And it's so funny how everything comes to me. Everything comes back to yoga, the oneness, um, the Dharma, mm -hmm. living our truth on purpose with purpose. Yeah, also I love that, Kylie. And think about it. Uh, isn't it amazing? The, like when you really start getting into this stuff, you start seeing that none of the things that we're talking about are new. 
None they, are new. You know, they're 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 not even close to being new. We're simply talking about them, perhaps in slightly different ways, so that the current zeitgeist can relate to it, so that so people can hear it again. But these truths uh, are 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 there, and I do think the you know I've never uh, actually it's funny the last two years I've done more yoga than weight training, believe it or not. Really, uh, I love yeah, that for you. And, That's great. Yeah, and more yoga and meditation than, than weight training, and it's been a nice uh, nice departure uh, mm -hmm. from you know sort of the meathead uh, type of stuff. But yeah, I I love that. That's where you come from because I think. Uh, it's probably why you just naturally orient to this way. And it infuses, you know, I've followed you for a while now. You and I have been friends online for a while. And, you know, I could say your your whole ethos is infused with this sort of very light, very playful, very purpose-oriented, very, you know, sort of a welcoming sort of energy, which is sort of the opposite of, you know, the, the health and fitness culture in general, historically. So it doesn't surprise me that you kind of came at this from a more spiritual uh, mind, mindfulness based, uh, you know, sort of place. Well, thank you very much. That is, <laughs> I'm, I can end this week on a high note. I will not be doing anything else. Everyone do not reach out to me. Jade, I'm so grateful for you, your time, your purpose. Um, thanks for leading the way. I think we also need example. Like you said, you, your experience, it's guiding us, other people. So thank you for being true to yourself because it's helping everyone else. Yeah. Thanks so much. So, sorry. I talk so much. I love you. Today. Uh, I'm thanks here for, for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon, my friend. Thank you so much. See you soon. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. So lots of deep thoughts there. And, you know, for personal reasons, I was very pleased with this conversation because I feel like it goes so well with the evolution of my brand, of my programs. And I hope if you're following along that you're wanting to evolve with me. That's really what I want. I want all of us to I don't want you to feel pressure to be more and do more. I want you to feel and do, I want you to feel like what you do matters. I want you to make each day count. I want you to not hate your life, not dread going to work. And it's really hard because it's really hard to feel good and do the things that physically make us feel good if for eight, 10, 12 hours a day, we're stuck doing something that sucks the life out of us. So thank you for taking a step back today, looking at the horizon, getting a little bit better perspective of maybe some things that are equally as important as what you eat and what you do for a workout. You guys, until next time, bye-bye.